Well, good morning, everyone. My name's uh, Pastor Justin. I'm the, the lead pastor here at New Life. And last week, if you, if you missed church, I, I preached what, what I consider one of the most encouraging messages that you don't want to hear. Um, we, we, talked, we talked about um, the reality of the Christian life, that maybe sometimes we like to stick our head in the sand and, and act like it doesn't exist, but um, the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. And um, the reality is, is that struggles come, battles rage, loss you know, happens in our life, haters going to hate, and, uh, and spiritual backlash can sometimes seem like it's right on our doorstep. And uh, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, I love how he writes this, and I hate how he writes this. He says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. So don't, don't, don't be surprised by the struggle. Don't be surprised when things happen that you necessarily didn't plan for, maybe feel like you didn't sign up for. Essentially, what he's saying, I believe what Jesus says in John 15, that like, don't be too concerned um, when you're being persecuted, worry about it when you're not being persecuted. Because essentially, uh, what Jesus, you know, talks about and what Peter is echoing is this reality that um, in many times, persecution and struggle in our life is a litmus test that, congratulations, you're serving God. <laughs> and, uh, and it's not necessarily a message that we like to hear, but it's a, we, we need to realize and understand that, it, that we live in a, in a battleground. And uh, we talked about two miracles last week, John, in John chapter 5 and John chapter 9. Uh, one, one of the guys was paralyzed and the other was blind. Uh, both of these men got miraculously healed in the stories. And we said last week that a lot of times we, we like to think that these miracle stories that we read about in the Bible end like fairy tales. You know, like we think, okay, Jesus must be nice when Jesus just comes up and, and heals a blind man, and then we all live happily ever after. Or Jesus shows up and he, he raises from someone from the dead, and then they all live happily ever after. Um, but in both of these cases, their freedom was immediately met with controversy. In both of these cases, they get freed, they get healed, and all of a sudden, they, they find that they have enemies that they never had before. <laughs> It's like, whoa, what in the world just happened? Nobody even bothered me. Nobody even cared. And all of a sudden, I have opponents that I didn't even know I ever had before. Um, in both of these cases, they have accusers that, that try to push them back into the place that God just pulled them out of. We find many times, if you've lived this Christian life to any length, that you have intimidators that try to silence you. You should just stop talking about Jesus. Just keep your mouth shut. Just smile and nod and be nice but don't necessarily talk about Jesus. Don't mention his name. We have historians that try to remind us and whisper in our ears. Sometimes we're our own historians to remind us that we don't deserve the freedom that we just found. So we have all these things that rise up. And it seems like as soon as freedom comes, don't be surprised when the struggle comes. As soon as freedom rises up in us, as soon as we find more freedom in God or he heals us or he does something to change our lives, all of a sudden now we have things that just rise up and, and get in the way of that. 
And so the Holy Spirit was, was nagging me this week. And I hate to say that the Holy Spirit was nagging me, but it was true. Um, I don't know if you ever had this happen to you before, but like, um, you ever have God just keep bringing something, that, like the same thing up over and over again? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I got it. I got it already. Like, what, what is your deal? Like, you just keep bringing this thing up, and, and I already have this thing. I understand it, and I don't know why. And it's almost like God's trying to communicate something to you, but you're too dense to get it. You ever been there? I hope, I hope to hear that some of you can relate. Like, Jesus will just keep bringing things up until we finally surrender and say, okay, okay already, what is it that you're wanting to do here? And, and I, this is the sense I got all week long that God just kept whispering this to me that um, you, you didn't finish the story. I was like, what are you talking about? I corrected him. I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> Told them all last week. You know, I said, I said, everyone, it's a hard knock life for us. And everyone waved their hanky and they were like, hallelujah, you know, praise God for struggle. You know, like you remember. And, uh, and I said, okay, fine. So I started reading through these John chapter five and John chapter nine. And, and I realized that in John chapter five, there is in fact more to the story. We, we, we kind of took it to, to a certain level, and then, and then we moved on to John chapter 9. And, and I didn't mean to leave this portion out, but, but maybe I did. <laughs> because I don't really like what Jesus does at the end of this story. Uh, he doesn't really fit into uh, the mold that, that I'd like him to fit into at the end of this story, of his interaction with this formerly paralyzed man. It doesn't fit in the narrative that I'd like Jesus to fit into. In other words, Jesus doesn't fit into my nice, neat, clean, meek and mild, loving, long-haired, hippie-looking, pocket-sized Jesus that I would like him to be. And he says things that um, seem un-Jesus-like. You ever have, like, you ever read the Bible and then you're like, man, that's, if that wasn't in red, I'd be like, that's not Jesus, because he's, he confronts things in us that we don't necessarily like, and rather than look at it, we just, well, I'm just not going to look at the hardness of that truth. I'm just going to look at the stuff that I like to read about Jesus. And so I'd love to read this again fresh, John chapter 5, as a community. So if you'd stand to honor the reading of God's word, um, God's word reigns above anything that I have to say today. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, let's read it together. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have it here up on the screen. You can follow along. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the, 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 blame, the, the, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, whoa, 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 what are you doing? It's a Sabbath. It, you're not supposed to, the law forbids you to be carrying your mat. But he replied, well, the man who made me well 
just said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, well, who, who's this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And then we get to verse 14, and this is the part that we didn't get to last week, and, but I truly believe that God wants to communicate to us as a timely message today. It says, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who, who made him well. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I know that there are some times and some things that you say that on first glance I may not understand, but I know that you're always good and that you are compassionate. I know that you want our best. And so in the midst of a truth that is maybe hard to digest, I know all the more the need to chew on it. And so Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. May we truly eat meat today the reality of what the Christian life should look like. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, thanks. Um, so for the sake of uh, just running through this to catch you up on things, if you weren't here, maybe this is your first time here, Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda. There's tons of sick people, disabled people. They're waiting and they're hoping, like maybe today's gonna be my day. And what, what you may not know, may, may not understand, is that this pool, the pool of Bethesda, had a legend around it, which the legend went like this. Every once in a while, a angel would come by and stir the waters, and if you were the first person to get into the water, once the water was stirred, you'd be healed. Everybody else would just be wet. And so you got to get in there first. You got to figure out, you got to be watching that water as soon as it's stirred. Get in there and you'd be healed. And Jesus walks up onto the scene of all these sick, lame, disabled people surrounding this pool. And he, and he singles out one nameless man who had been disabled for 38 years. And he says, when Jesus saw him lying there, verse 6, he, he had learned about that he'd been in this condition for a long time. He asked him this question, do you want to get well? And this word get well can also be translated, maybe if you have the New King James Version, is this, to be made whole. <laughs> do, do you want to be made whole? And I love this translation because I think it describes why this paralyzed man didn't answer Jesus. I, I don't think he was expecting to be offered more than healing in his body. And if you're taking notes this morning, the first fill in the blank is this. We hope for healing, but Jesus offers wholeness. And, and, and I think, I, I, want you to, I want you to understand this, and I mean this as, as your pastor. Jesus is more concerned with you being whole than you are. I think many times, you know, we go to him, God, if you could just, if you just give me this, I, got this pain, I got this ailment, I got this malady, I have this sickness, I have this disease. If you could just fix this, I'd be happy. If, if you could just do what, what I think that I'd, I'd like you to do, then that would be great. God, if you could just conquer my sickness, that'd be awesome. But Jesus shows up on the scene and says, I want you to know that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror through me. And I put myself in this guy's shoes and I think, man, it must have been like Groundhog Day for this guy every single day. Have you seen that movie, Groundhog Day? 
with Bill Murray, whatever his name is. You know, you get dropped off at the pool. You, you claim your spot because you know he had a spot. Everybody has a spot. You all got your spot. You, you, <laughs> he gets dropped off at the pool. You find your spot. You lay there. You wait. You, you get dropped off at the pool Tuesday. You, you, you claim your spot. You lay down and you wait. You hope. Maybe today is going to be the day. Maybe today is going to be the day. And every day is, is the same thing. I, I honestly think that I wonder, after, after 38 years, I probably think that he even forgot why he even showed up there in the first place. Because what happens? It just becomes a culture. It becomes a social hangout. These are my friends. These are my peeps, right? You know, we just kind of, these are the people that, that I, I hang out with every day. And, and as I was studying it this week, I was wondering, like, God, do you sometimes look at the church with the same heart that Jesus looked at the people all surrounding the pool? Is that sometimes how you see us? Like, do we, could we, as Christians, as American Christians, could could we gather at churches and yet have our faith in other things? We're showing up, like, we're here, I'm at the pool, but but I'm I'm certainly not expecting that Jesus is going to be walking in my midst this morning. Like I, I'm showing up and I, I, and I come in and I, and, I, and I claim my seat and I four songs and a sermon. And then I, I, I come in and I find my seat. I claim my seat and four songs and a sermon. And we, and we go through our day, but maybe not expecting that Jesus is walking into our midst. And I wonder if even like this morning, if Jesus is walking in and amongst us saying, like, I know that you're here with everybody else hoping but do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole today? And I think about this question because it's kind of like, it's not really PC. I mean, Jesus isn't really fitting into the mold that we'd like him to. Like if, you, if he asked this question to like an American, let's say there was a, a person that was sick and, and needed healing and he says, hey, do you want to be made whole? How do you think they'd respond? Probably with offense. Why do I say that? Because we're really good at being offended. I mean, really good at being offended. It's one of our gifts, we think, I think. You know? And some of you right now, you're offended that I even just said that you get offended. Like, I'm offended that you're offended, that I'm offended that you're offended. We're really good, and our, our first response is always offense. I wonder if Jesus was to ask one of us today, like, do you really want to be made whole? Like, what are you talking about? I'm at church. Of course I want to be made whole. Do, do you want to be made whole? We go straight to Twitter, like, Jesus doesn't even care. How dare him ask me if I actually want to be made whole? Hashtag Jesus does not care. Like, I cannot even believe that, that he would have the gall to even ask me a question like this, which is kind of how this guy answers the question because he doesn't answer the question. He goes into telling Jesus reasons why he's there. He says this in verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. I got no peeps. The guy next to me, he tries to just climb over me, Right? No one to get me into the water when the water stirred. And then he says, well, I'm trying to get in. Somebody else goes on ahead of me. You'd think that after 38 years, he would have figured out something. You'd think that after 38 years, you'd make like a pact with like the guy next to you. You'd be like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Or after 38 years, you'd devise a pulley system, right? You'd think of, I mean, you're laying there for 38 years. You'd be like, I got it. I figured it out, right? That's how I'm going to get in here first. 
And yet his answer is, well, I just, I'm not smart enough. I'm not popular. I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I'm not quick enough. I just can't. This is why. And can I just tell you that sometimes lying down can seem safer than living healed. I'm trying, Julie. I'm trying. Sometimes, sometimes we can get to a place where, you know what? I think staying the same is safer than trying to launch out and trust, mm, trust God. I, I think I'd rather just, just stay where I'm at. Did you know that you can get so used to dysfunction that it can seem safe and normal? <laughs> I mean, nobody in here has these issues. I know this, but like, you know, people like this. Because all of you are like, I got a brother-in-law, absolutely, right? Like you, know, like, you know people that are so into their dysfunction, they don't see it, right? I mean, they get by, they're, they're kind of surviving, they're functional, and yet it's dysfunctionally functional. You ever met somebody like this, right? You know people, come on, you know somebody. The person sitting next to you, right? They're, they're dysfunctionally functional. And here's the, here's the hard part is it is very difficult to see dysfunction when you're living in it because of a ton of other people that are around you doing the same thing. It becomes not just dysfunction, it becomes, man, it's normal. In fact, it's common. In fact, everyone around me is doing it, so I'm really doing fine. In fact, I'm better off than this lunatic sitting next to me. Like, wow, have you, have you met him? So it becomes... Normal. I mean, this is just how men in my family treat women. It's normal. What are you talking about? There's nothing. It's just that's how women in my family handle conflict. That that's that's normal. But there's this there's this idea, and I think that Jesus is poking at it that there's a difference between what is common and what is normal. That lying around paralyzed by a pool may be common, but it's not normal. Living in dysfunction may be common, but it's, but it's not normal. And when we get those two words confused and that mindset confused and start talking about them synonymously, well, the problem is, is that we start to define ourselves by our issues. You've met people like this. They are what their issue is. They, what's your name? Well, I don't worry about, this is my issue. This is my identity. My issue is my identity, and we find this all throughout the Bible. The Bible's notorious for this. People that are identified, we don't know their names, but we know their issue. We see in Luke chapter 8, there's a woman with the issue of blood. Literally, she's got the issue of blood. We don't know her name, but we know her issue. John chapter 4, there's a Samaritan woman. We don't know her name, but we know her issues. John chapter 8, a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. We don't know her name, but we know her issue. John chapter 9, there was a man born blind. We don't know his name, but we know his issue. Mark chapter 1, there's a leper. We don't know his name, but we know his issue. Mark 5, there's a demoniac. We don't know his name, but we know he's got a lot of issues. Mark chapter 7, there's a deaf and mute man. We don't know his name, but we know his issue, right? There's, we see this all throughout the Bible. We don't even need the Bible to show us this because why? Because we see this in our world that we become defined by our issues, not because it's normal, but because it's common. So we look around and we say, man, this just seems like this is the way life is. And when we start to identify ourselves by our issues, we find it very difficult. This is where it goes. We find it very difficult to take off 
the cloak of victimhood and to put on the robe of righteousness. And this is, I think, where this guy was struggling. Jesus was saying, do you want to get whole? Do you want to be made whole? And when we struggle, when we have identified ourselves by our issue, it's very difficult to be able to say, all right, I'm going to choose to now walk as a as a child of the king, as a son or daughter of the king. I'm going to choose to now start walking in the authority that Jesus' blood purchased for me. Because I'm a victim. I'm not a victor. It's not who I am. And I believe that there's a spirit in the world and even, and even in the church that would just like to say to us, just lie down on the mat. Just don't, don't get up. You're not broken. You're You're normal. Just, you know, just, you're, you're fine. Just look around you. <laughs> Gosh, everyone's doing the exact same thing. You don't need to get up. You, 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 you aren't as bad off as the lunatic sitting next. Have you seen him? You're doing fine. Just compare yourself to the guy next to you and, and just rest in that. Just, just, just chill out. Besides, I mean, your issue is your identity. Who would you be without it? We struggle with this. We struggle with this. But I just want to remind you that Jesus has come to redefine those who have defined themselves by their past. Jesus has come to give you a new identity, a new name, and it's not all about your issue. He says these, 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 this question that echoes, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? And I think that Jesus' question is the best question. I, I, actually, I actually love it and I hate it at the same time. Why? Because it draws out of me and it draws out of us to dream beyond what we know, to dream beyond what we came from, to dream beyond what we've learned and our, beyond our past, beyond our failures. Jesus, Jesus causes us to, to dream beyond what we already currently are. And he says to you, do you really want to be made whole? Are you willing to lose the label of victim? Are you willing to, to lose the label of I get, my, I get my identity from my past failures or my past sin? Are you willing to, to give up your way of life? Are you willing to, 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 to give up those toxic friendships? Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone? And if we're really honest, staying the same can seem a whole lot safer than living healed. I think that's what this guy was struggling with. And he says in verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up, exclamation point. Pick up your mat and walk. And we can look at this, and I, I don't know about you, but I read this and I'm like, that's not very compassionate. But if we, if we know that God is always good and that he is more compassionate than you are, and if, we, and if God is a God of compassion, and yet I feel like he's not being very compassionate here, then maybe the question is, could it be that my definition of compassion is wrong? <laughs> Could it be that what I consider impassion, compassion is enablement? And Jesus speaks words that this guy can't do over his life and brings wholeness that he never could find on his own. And I, I struggle with this because Many times I want to memorialize my mat. I, 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 want to, 
I want to talk about how I got to the place that, that I am. And you, let me tell you about my past. And let me tell you, you know, this is kind of our testimonies many times. Let me tell you about all the junk that I did and how I almost killed a man and just to watch him, you know, and I just, how I did all these things. And let me tell you how I got here. And it all started with my mom putting my diapers on too tight. And, and then it gets worse from there. I know you think it can't get worse. No, it did. It got worse from there. Like, and, and we get to this place where we want to start memorializing our, our, our mat. But I find that Jesus is more concerned about your wholeness than he is about your brokenness. Like, I'm more concerned about my brokenness and why I'm in the place that I'm at. And, and, and I think that this guy, this is his answer. He's like, well, you just don't understand. Like, I, I want to try to get in, and this guy doesn't help me, and this guy climbed over me last time, and I can never. And, it, and Jesus doesn't even, he doesn't even look at it. He just, he just says, get up, take your man, and walk. Why? Because Jesus challenges us. He doesn't accommodate us. Do you want to be made whole? He tells the guy to do something that he, he knows the guy can't do. 38 years. There's no, oh, I should do that? That's a great idea. I should just get up? I should stand up? Oh, okay. Right? Just tells him to do something he can't do. Why? Because I think that many times God wants us to do the impossible and we're settling for the doable. Not realizing that when God speaks and tells us to do the impossible, he enables us to do it. There's something in the words when Jesus said, get up, take your mat, and walk, that all of a sudden this guy who had been lame for 38 years found strength he never had and freedom he never thought of. And he continues in verse 9, once the man was cured, good news, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath, and we talked about this last week, so the Jewish leaders said to the man, whoa, 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 what are you doing? It's the Sabbath. Can you imagine? The guy's like, oh my gosh, I just got healed. It's been 38 years. I never walked before. What are you doing? Whoa. Settle down there, bucko, right? You should be, don't you carry that. You're doing sashaying. Stop sashaying, right? Sit down. You shouldn't be doing this, but he replies. He's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, the guy who healed me, the guy who gave me new legs, right? The guy that, that, that brought healing to me, he just told me to pick up my mat and walk. So if he could tell me to do that and I was healed, I'm just going to kind of do what he told me to do. And they asked him, well, who's this guy? Who's this fellow that, who told you to pick up this mat and walk? Let me remind you, not everyone will celebrate your freedom. Not everyone's going to celebrate your freedom. We talked about this last weekend, right? Like, you'd think, and he probably thought, man, everyone's going to be so excited. I got new legs. I've never been able to walk for 38 years. I'm just jumping around, dancing. I'm like breakdancing over here. This is amazing. Hallelujah. My friends are going to be so excited for me. Everyone's going to be so ecstatic, and yet they're, they're not. I don't know if you've ever been this place where you think, like, well, I, my friends are going to be so excited that I'm sober, and yet they... They act almost as if they'd be excited if I was drinking again. Like, what, why, 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 why do we find that people don't celebrate your freedom? I think that many times it's because your freedom challenges other people's excuses. Whew. I'm just going to leave that and move on. Just write it down and chew on it. Let me say it again. I think that sometimes your freedom challenges other people's excuses. And then we get to this awkward ending. We get to this alternate, alternate ending almost that, that doesn't seem to fit. That kind of like, why is this here? 
Jesus goes and he finds this man, goes out of his way to find this man because he had received a healing, right? He had new legs and he was walking around and everything, but, but Jesus wanted him to see and wanted him to, to start walking in his wholeness. And he has a message for him in verse 14. It says, later Jesus found him at the temple and he said to him, I mean, catch this, what he says. He says, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I read, I read from, from left to right the same way you do. Um, at first read, I'm like, is this a threat? <laughs> Jesus, wow. It just stop sinning or else. You know, they're giving him the eye. What is, is this an ultimatum Jesus has given this guy? Like, this is not Jesus, but yet it's in red letters. Like, what, who is this dude? All of a sudden, it was like Jesus making wild, get up, lift up. I mean, and then all of a sudden, he goes out of his way to find this guy to tell him, hey, stop sinning or else. What? Not only that, think about this, because I had to. Um, what, this guy had been paralyzed for 38 years. What sin could this paralyzed man have been doing? Gosh, like, he'd been paralyzed for 38 years. He, didn't, he couldn't even move. It's not like he's sleeping around. It's not like he's, he's like, wasting money or going in revelry and, like, partying. He's, like, he's been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus walked in. He stopped sinning. He just got healed, like, a couple hours ago. He hasn't even had time to sin. As far as how we define sin. And not only that, the guy don't miss this, is in church. Jesus finds him in church. So he's like a good guy now. He didn't have to go to church. He could have been like sashaying over to the bar. I don't know where he goes, right? But he sashayed his way to the temple. So why? I mean, you think, why is Jesus needing, finding this guy and having to say, see, you're well again, stop sinning or something worse may, may happen to you. And then I realized it. From the beginning, from hello with this guy, and I think from hello with each and every single one of us, Jesus was trying to change this man's mindset of his miracle. I'll explain that. I think from beginning, from hello, Jesus was trying to change his mindset of his miracle. And what I say is this, God likes you healed but he wants you whole. He likes you healed, but he came, he lived, he died, and he rose again to make you whole. And I love how Romans chapter 12, too, says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like what... What if Jesus is, is telling him, you've been healed, now continue to walk healed. Don't go back to the patterns that kept you in bondage. Don't go back to the stuff that you've always done and is familiar. Jesus came, he rose, he lived, he died, he rose again so that you could have not just life, the Bible says, but abundant life, life to the full. I would call that wholeness. Not just healing, 
not just a, you, one day in the sweet by and by when we all fly away, oh glory. Not just then. He died so that you could have life abundantly. And I think about this, like how many times do we, do we try to live out our reliving our past in our present? How many times do we live as slaves even though we're free? And I believe that just like this paralyzed man, in order to be made whole, we have to choose to, to walk in it. Like what if Jesus is, what if he knows that sometimes sinning may simply be a mindset. And what if, just, what, 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 if, what if he's confronting anything that would stand in the way of this man's wholeness because he knows that Monday morning is coming? Let me explain this. This guy gets healed. He's awesome. He goes to church. But Monday's coming. And I'll tell you what. After 38 years of doing the same thing every single day, you're going to have to consciously make a decision on Monday morning. Do you realize that? Like, what's, what do I do on Mondays now? My Mondays are different? I mean, every day it's been get dropped off at the pool, claim my spot, lay down and wait and hope. Every day. That's, that's my Tuesdays, by the way, too. I, I come in, I, I, I get dropped off at the pool, I find my spot, I lay down and I wait and I hope. And even I do that on Wednesdays, too. And he actually does this every single day for 38 years. You're telling me, Monday's coming, and he's like, um, what do I do now? Like, maybe, you know what, maybe I'll just go, I'll just go visit my friends. They're probably lonely. They might be talking about me. I don't want that. Right? Like, you know what, um, I need to keep up my tan anyway, so I'm just going to go down to the pool. Like, a man needs to tan, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just going to go check if my spot's still available. <laughs> I don't need it. I know because I'm healed. I'm like, I'm sashaying, and, you know, like, I'm doing all kinds of good. And, like, but I, and I know that that is for sick people and disabled and lame, but, like, uh, I'm just going to go hang for a bit. Like, it's familiar. It's, it's what I know. It's, it's who... I am. This guy had spent 38 years thinking that the only way that he was going to find freedom was being smart enough, popular enough, and quicker than the guy next to him. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. And let me tell you, his, his healing was cheap. The guy didn't have to do anything. He didn't even answer the question correctly, right? Jesus shows up, offers him something that he didn't even know that he could even have, all he had to do was kind of believe in it and start to flex muscles that he didn't even know he could flex and is healed. And here's the reality. What if Jesus is telling him healing comes with responsibility? Salvation comes with walking out a holy life. Jesus will set you free. He will make you whole but it is still our responsibility to choose to walk out our wholeness. What if Jesus sets us free, but it's still our responsibility to walk in it? Maybe Jesus is reminding this formerly paralyzed man, hey, dude, stop going back to the map that I just took you off of. It may seem normal, but it's not normal, it's common. I've called you to live above common 
and adopt a new normal. I've set you free, and it is for freedom that I've set you free. It's not so that you can be free to do whatever you want to do and act whatever you make to say, God, because I'm under the blood, right? There's this, there's this thing that, like, we don't like to talk about because we like, you know, when James says, well, you know, you know, you're saved by faith and not of works, and so I like to rest in that, and yet I find these non-Jesus-like comments in red time and time again of the responsibility of walking out the freedom that Jesus has purchased. In other words, like it didn't cost me anything to receive it, but it's going to cost me something to continue in it. And I know it's not popular. I know you're not waving your hanky. I'm just telling you there's a responsibility that Jesus brings. And he goes out of his way to find this man, to communicate to him, look, I've freed you. You are free, free indeed. Just don't go back to what kept you in bondage. Stop sinning. Continue in what I've called you to. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks, catch this, who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, catch that, and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The reality that we're all faced with every day, every day we come to the pool is this, you can't change your past. You can't change what's been done to you. You can't even change what you've done. All we have is right now. We have, we have right now, we have decisions that we can make today. And what if Jesus is walking in our midst and asking us that question, do you want to be made whole? Can I just say this? I believe that healing is available today. I believe that wholeness is available today. And I, I, as we sing today, this last song, I just, I wonder, as you maybe make a decision to start walking in the wholeness that Christ purchased for you, maybe chains fall. Addiction stops. Pornography no longer has a hold on you anymore. And as we start to walk and answer that question, do you want to be made whole we have to wrestle with these other questions which is this you know what is it that you need to walk away from so that you can walk toward what god has for you sometimes god frees us and he says okay now come follow me okay i'm following you and we go walk towards the thing that he just pulled us from are you following me yep you're getting a little dim over there can you speak up <laughs> Can't hear you too well. Could you turn and just speak to me when I'm walking in the opposite direction? I think sometimes God says, no, I, I've healed you. I've saved you. And now come, follow me. Is there anything that 
that Jesus has delivered you from that you're still sitting on. Just want you to know, like we said earlier, you have been set free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians 5.1, let me say it again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I speak prophetically over this, over this place today. I speak over offense in Jesus' name. We break that spirit that would like to hold us back from the freedom that you bought. Nothing stands in the way of freedom. Lord, I, I pray for each and every single one of us that has accepted the free gift that Jesus gave us, that we would choose and make decisions to start walking free, whatever that means for us. God, that today would be a day of new decisions. Today would be a, a, today would be a day where we choose this day in the harsh words of Jesus, stop sinning, to start moving towards him. Lord, I don't know what that means. Maybe that's clearing out our phones. Maybe that's dumping stuff down the drain. Maybe that's flushing things down a toilet. Maybe that's choosing this day. I, I got to get away from these toxic friendships. Lord, I, ch I, I pray that we would continue to walk towards you. I believe that if the Son has set us free, then we are free indeed. And I'm not, I'm not lying on that mat anymore, Jesus. I'm not defined by my issues. I am a son or daughter of the King. So we lift you up, God. We lift you up higher than our issues. We lift you up higher than the place that we find ourselves. We lift you up higher than the map that we want to memorialize. We lift you up higher. And when you ask us this question as you walk in our midst this morning, do you want to be made whole? May we truly answer yes. God, I don't know what that looks like. I don't even think I have a box to put that in because all I know is dysfunction. And yet you ask me, do I want to be made whole? Yes, I do. I want all that you have for me. And so I believe as we lift him up, as we lift his name up, that, that chains break and fear bows. Addiction falls and freedom comes because you are more than conquerors through Christ who is in you. May we live out the destiny and the identity that Christ died to give us. We thank you, Jesus, and we worship you. We lift you high. 